All righty, good to have you here tonight. We're studying in the book of Colossians. So take your Bible, turn to the book of Colossians, page 1262, in an old school Phil reference Bible. And we will begin in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 9. So follow me as I read. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patient and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray, shall we? Father, as we read your word and seek to explain some of the things that really are not that difficult. But, Father, there's some things that we don't always grasp. There's deeper meanings, and sometimes it seems like there's hidden truths. But, Father, we know that in order to build a great church, you have to build great individuals. And, Father, I want this to be a great church. It doesn't have to be a large church, but I want it to be a powerful church because these are your people. They know you, they love you. And Father, we pray that we go from childhood to maturity, looking to you and walking with you, concerned about each other, praying for one another. So we commit this night to you and the study of your word. Help our minds to be clear. And I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will help me to know where to pause and where to move on. We commit this night to you in Christ's name. Amen. Book of Colossians and chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is going to reveal to us what he prayed while he was in prison. He had heard about this church through, in verse 7, Epaphras, who was, I believe, the, the pastor at this church. Well, they'd come all the way just to see the Apostle Paul. We know that he was a, a fellow laborer together. And that there were some things that uh, needed to be explained in this book because there were problems in the church. And not so much that the problems had taken hold of the church, but they were swarming around, no doubt, the city of Colossae. And he didn't want this teaching in the church. And there's different ways in which people bring in damnable heresies. As you study the scriptures, you'll find out the devil has his ministers. And the devil's ministers are preachers of righteousness, believe it or not. But preachers of human righteousness, man's righteousness. And trying to deceive from the truth so that people don't really trust what God has to say. But I want you to look there at this third word in this sentence in verse 9. 
for this cause. And take the word cause and underline it. Because there's a reason for the rest of the book. Because not only, as we mentioned this morning, had they trusted Christ as Savior, but they've also shared the gospel with others, so people were coming to know the Lord. And he says they had fruit among them. And he says, for this cause, because of not only winning people to Christ, but to go further than that, to get people that trust the Lord, to grow in the Lord, to be strong. And the first part of this verse kind of lets you see, as he says here, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now, you think of how many people we have here in the ministry. And there's probably a lot of days go by and weeks and maybe even months. And we really never pray for some people. We may have our select few that we pray for. And it's difficult because, you know, sometimes we don't know everybody's name. We don't know what everybody needs. But I want you to know something about the prayer that's mentioned here. It doesn't say Paul says, you know, I'm praying that every one of you will be blessed financially. I want all of you to have a nice home. I want you to have nice clothes to wear. I want you to be problem free. That's not what Paul prayed for. If you'll notice, what he prayed for was the Lord's will to be done in their life. And that they might be filled with all the wisdom, the knowledge of the Lord, so that they might walk worthy unto all pleasing. Meaning to please God in all that they do. Every area of their life and every work. This is the will of God. But when he says here in verse 9, for this cause, I want you to take your Bible, just look there at this word, don't lose your place here. But you look there in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. And just look first of all there at verse 1. He says in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... And as we have received mercy, we faint not. When he says we faint not means we, we don't quit. We, we don't stop. Now there's a lot of things that happens in your life that it seems like they were designed to get you to quit. To lose hope. To get discouraged. To get down. And he says because of this ministry, we don't faint. We don't quit. If you will, look there in uh, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes. For your sake. The reason that I do what I do is so that you'll benefit from it. You see, when you seek to try to influence other people's lives, you're very careful how you influence them. You have to watch what you say and how you say it. You have to watch yourself at all times. He said that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. In other words, God is pleased by your faithfulness. God is pleased by your obedience. God is pleased by your sacrifice. God is pleased by your giving. And when you seek to please the Lord, He says, I want you to know all that God wants you to know so that you can please God in all things, all areas of your life. 
Now, there may be some areas in your life you're doing a really good job. That's not to annul that. Just like when Christ was talking to the Pharisees one time, he says, he says, you pay tithes, you do alms, you do all these certain things, but mercy and grace. He says, you kind of forgot about those. Those are important too. You need to add those in. You read in the book of Peter, it talks about adding to your faith. Now that you know Christ is your Savior, you're going to heaven, add to your faith. Be stronger than what you are today. Be stronger tomorrow. And every day, seek to get a little bit wiser by continuing to study the Bible. Don't think you have a re you've reached the place where you don't need to study anymore and you can just coast in on what you know. God has designed it where you need Him all the time. Regardless of how old you get. Boy, am I glad when I finally hit 70, I don't have to worry about pressures anymore and temptations anymore, no more trials. Because when you hit that magic number, it's all over. You just coast from here on in. Right? No, there's no magic number. No magic number. Uh, by the way, remember this. Uh, Moses' troubles really started when he was 80. And lasted about 40 years. You remember that? Yeah, boy. Uh, now look what he says here in verse 16. For which, here's that word, for which cause we faint not. We don't quit. Now here's the apostle Paul in prison. And he's talking about we have a cause. We have a reason to do what we're doing. And see, when you understand that, you see why Paul's not focused upon his problem in a prison? He's focusing upon this church. And so thankful to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because through the Holy Spirit, He's revealed to them how to be saved. And they trusted the Lord. Not necessarily by Paul. See, Paul didn't have to always steal the limelight. Have you been around certain people and they strive only for the limelight? If they can just, you know, be the head honcho in everything. Now, I do the leadership job that I do, but like I said before, if it wasn't for the Lord, I'd be just as satisfied on the backside of a, a mountain someplace with no people. And so my wife says, that ain't going to happen. But knowing the Lord and knowing God's Word makes you do some of the things that otherwise you wouldn't do. You really don't know how shy I really am. Don't you feel sorry for me? Just a little bit. Oh, well. It's the way it goes. Go back to the book of Colossians in chapter 1, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will. You see, that's why we try to teach all the counsel of God. We don't try to leave out anything. By going through book after book after book after book, eventually we'll cover everything God said. And if you stick around long enough, we'll even get through the, the Old Testament and some of those other books. Because after a while, you know, we're going to run out of books in the New Testament. I haven't been through a lot of them already. Now we're going to start in some of the Old Testament books. I've already hit a couple of them. But it's important that we go through the Word of God to know the whole counsel of God. Because you see, I have to believe this. 
I believe that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you knows what you need. I may say certain things, but the Holy Spirit says you need a little bit of this, and you, you need a little bit of this, and you need a little bit of this. So that's why at times, though it's not always perfectly designed by the preacher, he goes on a rabbit trail. You ever heard of preachers going on rabbit trails? Well, that's because sometimes he thinks of this, ah, I, I said that. Well, he don't know it, but there was a person sitting there that probably needed that on that rabbit trail. And then somebody else, wouldn't it be great if everybody just lived on the main highway? But everybody don't. Everybody lives on that little road, and somebody lives down in that little road down to there, and then down there's a little dog leg left down here on that old dirt road down to there, and there's an old path over here. But everybody don't live on the same road. Everybody's got different stages in their life that they're going through on a spiritual level. And some people can understand this, some people can't understand that. And everybody gets a little bit of different stuff. And sometimes you think, well, I, I didn't get anything out of that. And there'll be days that you'll think, well, man, I, I didn't get anything. And there'll be other times that, well, now that really, I really enjoyed that message. And it's sometimes it's because you've never heard that before, but 90% of the other people, they didn't heard it before. Sometimes we figure out, well, he's feeding me if he's telling me something new. When you go to eat, and we ate today, was everything that we ate today totally something new? We never ate it before. Or was it perhaps the same thing we've always had? We've had them all before. You know one of the best meals that I like back there? Anybody got a clue? Huh? The beans and weenies. We got all this good food. Man, just give me some of the beanie weenies. I'll, I'll eat them. And uh, somebody said, well, I can't say, well, you know, they didn't feed me today. The only reason I wouldn't have got fed today is I didn't sit down and eat. But the food was there. The Word of God is different for different people. To one person, it's meat. To another one, that's just milk. But we base it upon what we already know or what we need. Well, I didn't need that. I didn't need that. And then when the preacher hits you right between the eyes, I didn't need that either. But what I want you to see, there's a, a few things down through here that talks about in verse 4. He says, since we heard of, and here's those two words, your faith, your faith. And then there's down in verse 8 talking about your love. Now, isn't it good that people hear about your faith? You trusted Christ as your Savior. You're going to heaven when you die. Isn't that a wonderful thing for people to know and to share with others? But if people talked about your love, do you love the Lord? Do you love your husband? Do you love your wife? Do you really love your kids? Do you love the preacher? Do you love the church? Do you love one another? But he says they had a testimony that not only about their faith in Christ concerning the gospel, but also about their love for one another. Uh, let me just show you another verse. Uh, look what he says there in chapter 4. And you'll notice there's a, another word here about in verse 6. It says in verse 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. How you ought to answer every man. And we're talking about how that, you know, 
what you know and your speech is to be seasoned. Your speech. See that verse 6? Let your speech. So we're talking about, you know, your faith that you have. We're talking about the love that you have. And that is what affects your speech that you have. Seasoned with salt. We talked a little bit about that this morning. But now go back here to Colossians in chapter 1 and verse 9. The last part of verse 9 says that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, not just knowing what God wants you to do, but understand spiritually how you're going to fulfill the will of God. Now, you may read from the Word of God these general things, and there's general principles that are laid down here about what God wants you to know. And it says in verse 10 that you might walk worthy. So what you know and how you walk it should be, you know, compatible. So what we believe and how we live should be in agreement. But you see, whenever you read verses like this, you will not see in these verses, in verse 10, that angel, I want you to go to Chicago, and I want you to go to Dayspring Bible College. See, that, that's not in there. Yankee, I want you to marry Betty on June the 8th, 1960. Well, that would have made it easy, wouldn't it? I mean, that would have just made it so much easier. But you don't find the details, but we find the principles. And you take those principles, and God has given you the freedom of choice within His will. See, there's boundaries that God has. So within the will of God, just think, there could be two billion women on this planet. Find one. Just one. <laughs> but find one. And that, that meets the standards of what the Word of God says. And trust the Lord to lead and to guide and all these things. And you can trust the Lord to bring you to the right person and all that. But after you get married, don't blame God for the one you married. God, I did what you wanted me to do. I married that woman. Boy, that was a mistake. Thanks. God did not hold a gun to anybody's head and made you marry that man. God didn't force you to have those 15 children. There's jobs that you have. There's things that you do for your life. There's homes that you have. There's clothes that you wear. Don't blame everything. God gave you the right to choose, the freedom to choose. So don't go through life being feeling guilty because oh, I wore this suit instead of the other one. Don't, I, I don't get up in the mornings and stand before my suits and my shoes. God, which one do you want me to wear? I don't want to wear a suit you don't want me to wear. Lord, Help me to find the right tie. I only want to wear the kind of tie you want me to have. But he says, what are you doing that purple tie? God chose it for me. <laughs> so we get bitter at God because of, look what God did to me. 
You see, there's the will of God, and it's revealed about the righteousness of God, how He wants you to live righteously. But God didn't make you sit down and at the tables in there today that we had. And look at all those choices. Now, wouldn't it be a terrible thing for everybody to be standing there? Lord, what kind of meat do you want me to eat? Fifteen people standing there. Just, just get out of my way. I'll take anything. I'll take the beanie weenies if there's any left. Lord, look at all this dessert. How many do you want me to have? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. God is good. Oh, is God good? You can make some decisions for yourself. But there's general principles that are found in God. God, there's some things that you won't find in the Bible. You won't find them in there. Thou shalt not drink Coors. Is that in the Bible? It isn't in the Bible. Thou shalt not go to movies. Is that in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. There's a lot of things not in the Bible. Wouldn't it have been something? <laughs> Wrote it in here. Thou shalt not attend movies. And everybody's trying to figure out, what is that? Do you, do you know what one is that? What, what is a movie? I guess it's when you're moving. What's a movie? Nobody knows what a movie. 2,000 years. Nobody knew what one was. But right there. Even Rebecca. I guess it comes the closest when the Bible says that Isaac saw Rebecca and she lit off a camel. Well, it says that. She lit off a camel. But who in the world wants to kiss your husband and smell a camel? <laughs> and we're, we're getting serious here. You see, years ago, you know, one of the things that helped hold the families together is that they didn't have all these things they could have gone to. I mean, I mean, here's a guy, a farmer. He's out there and he farms all day and he's, he's plowing behind this mule and all you see is the backside of this mule all day long. Well, when you go home and you see your wife, anybody will look good. I don't care what she looks like, she's going to look good. How did we get off onto this? I have no idea. Verse 10. Verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in almost every good work every once in a while. <laughs> pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, as long as you live, God wants you to keep increasing in your knowledge, in the wisdom of God. Hold your place right here and look there in the book of Ephesians. In chapter 4 and verse 1, and you'll notice a little similarity here, but it's good to see. In verse 1, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Now, the word prisoner comes from a Greek word, it's doulos in the Greek, and it means to be a love slave or a bond slave. 
a prisoner, a bond slave, a love slave of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith you're called. In other words, God has called every one of us to a ministry. Be found faithful. Be found faithful. And then it kind of shows you a little bit about the attitude that you're supposed to have in the following verses. And it says in verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, there's some wonderful things that God has in His Word. And He's talking about to His children, now that we know the Lord, God wants us to be filled with the knowledge of His will so that we can do the things that God wants us to do. Uh, while you're right there, look in Ephesians chapter 5. In the book of Ephesians and chapter 5, I want you to see there in verse 15. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Because we're talking about not only what you know, but what you do. And how you live is what reveals how wise you are. So he says in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Isn't that a powerful verse? Isn't that a wonderful verse? God says, if you don't understand the will of God, you are a fool. Because you're not wise. You're either wise or a fool. It's a fool that doesn't know the will of God. Because if you don't know the will of God, what God wants, then you're a fool. You're going to do what you want. That's why we're always seeking the will of God. And I tried to explain sometimes to people, I said, no, when Christ died on the cross... Before he died, he made out this will. He made out a will. But the will is no good as long as the testator is alive. So he has to die in order for his will to be of any value to anybody. So he made out the will, and whosoever will may come. Can trust Christ as Savior, have eternal life. And God also put some things in his will written to all of his children. Now, if you had a rich uncle, had millions, and he died, and somebody says, hey, this Sunday we're going to take and read the will. Oh, I'm not interested. You're right. You'd be there. Because you'd want to know, what did he leave me in the will? God made out a will. And so as we study the Word of God, we're studying the will that he left us. You see, we have somebody that's very, very rich. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. And I am related to him. And whatever he has, he's willing to share it with me. Now, do you think I want to read the will? So I want to study the word of God and know the will, the will. Of God. All of it. And there's some things that are conditional based upon what I do, and there's some things that are not. Some, He just did it for me. And so I'm going to have a brand new body someday. I don't have to do anything, I don't have to earn I'm nothing. He gave me the indwelling Holy Spirit, 
gave me his word, gave me a purpose for life. And one day I'm going to be in heaven with him for all eternity. But he also says, now, this is conditional. If you do this, I will do this. And if you do this, I will do this. And I mentioned the other day that if I was in this room and on the other side of that wall, I was told somebody's over there. I said, I wish I had a tennis shoe. Pew, here comes the tennis shoe. I said, boy, I wish I had a tie. And pew, here comes the tie. I wish I had a 7-Up. And pew, here comes the 7-Up. After a while, you'll begin to think there's somebody on the other side of that wall. When you have lived long enough and you have prayed long enough and seen the results of your prayer, you know there's somebody that's listening to me on the other side of that wall. I can't see God, but I've had him answer so many of my prayers that I think I'll just keep on doing it. I wonder what else he's got for me in his will. Things he wants to give to me if I'll just ask him. You know, I have watched God do things for me that just blows my mind. Because, see, you really don't know me that well from the way that I was. I was just a little old Georgia boy wearing overalls, squashing mud between my toes. My daddy being a bootlegger and all the things that have happened in my life, I would have never dreamed I would have ever seen all the wonderful things God's done for me. But when that day came, when I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 18 years old, I just began to wonder what was in God's will for me. And so I began to study the Bible, and I find there's so many wonderful things in this book. There's some things that you have to trust the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you. Open up doors and close doors that you won't find in the Bible. But there's no verse in the Bible that says, I want all of y'all to go to Calvary Community Church. Where did you find that? But there's certain principles by which you try to make good decisions. I want to go where they teach the Bible. Try to teach it honestly. Something that really helps me. I want to grow stronger in the Lord. And I believe this can fulfill God's will for me. Don't you want God's will for your life? Well, then you need to know the Word of God. So you have to decide, does the pastor, does he teach the Word of God? If I brought lost people to this church, does he make the gospel clear where they could understand it and trust the Lord? Does the pastor try to find a way to open up a door of opportunity for me to serve so that I can do something with what God's given to me? You see, that's what the Word of God's about. That's what makes it so much fun. But look at this one verse. In verse 11, he says, Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power. That means God wants to give you all the strength from His might to do the job He wants you to do. So God says, I want you to know the will of God so that you can do the will of God in my power. Why would God want me to do something for him and then not give me the strength and the grace to do it? 
and then hold me accountable. God gives us everything we need. All you need is in Christ. In verse 11, one more time, the last part of it. Under all patience, means having patience in all things. Long-suffering with joyfulness. Suffering long with joy. It doesn't mean that you're always happy because things that happen make you happy. And so you're happy because you had a happy hour. Joy has nothing to do with what's happening. It's who you're walking with. It's who you're talking to. It's the satisfaction you have between you and the Lord that you're doing what God wants you to do. You're satisfied with the will of God. And that produces the peace that he's talking about over there in verse 2. About grace and peace. But it's got to be at the absence of the error of humanistic philosophy. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The Bible says that we have all sinned. Let this represent sin. We have sin on us. We've all done things wrong, and God says to pay for that sin is eternal separation from the Lord in hell. Now, God loves us, wants us to go to heaven, but none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. So how can we get to heaven? Because of sin, we can't get in. So God says there's only one way. You have to die and pay for your sins. And even if you could die and pay for your sins, you can't come back from the dead because you have no power. It still would not give you the righteousness of the Lord. So you see, Jesus Christ, who was the Lord God in the flesh, He came into the world. He had no sin. He was perfect. He was the righteousness of God. He came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin, because our sin separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die, but He took ours. All of them. Paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead and said, If you and I, if we would believe, He did it for us. He would put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Now whosoever, anybody, believeth in Him. You believe He did it for you. He takes the sin, pays for it, gives you as a free gift, everlasting life. You see, He did this 2,000 years ago. All we have to do is believe it. You see, if you believe He paid for all of your sins, you're not going to try to earn your way to heaven or buy your way to heaven because you know you're already going to heaven. See, a lot of people think they have to live a good life and go to church and give money to go to heaven. That means they don't really believe Christ paid the way. They believe they've got to earn the way. Salvation is free. It is the gift of God. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Or if you're watching by internet tonight, I do want you to know and I want you to believe with all your heart that God who sees you, He loves you. He loves you so much. He sent His Son to die on that cross to pay for your sins. And will you trust Him? Just in your own mind, just between you and the Lord. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, that He paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust Him right now as my Savior. And friend, God said, if you will, He would save you. 
and never cast you out, never lose you. You get to go to heaven on what he did for you. If you're in the auditorium and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'd like to know if what I said made sense to you. So I'm going to ask you if you in just a moment, if you'll raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. Anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ. God bless you, sir. Thank you. That's just a sign of good judgment. It's the best news in all the world. No tricks to it. God loves every individual. And if you trust the Lord right now, God saves you right now, gives you eternal life right now. And when you get up to leave, you can say, I know that I'm going to heaven because tonight I trusted Christ as my Savior. The only reason you or me or anybody goes to heaven is because Christ paid for our sins. That means I don't have to pay for them. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless the one indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust your Savior. By doing so, Lord, we know according to your word, you save every person that honestly, sincerely trusts you, depend upon you, believe in you died for them. We ask your blessings upon this church. Help us to be a strong church because we want every individual to be filled with the knowledge of your will so they may walk worthy and all-pleasing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.